Vandy may not be playing any more games this year. If they're not playing this week because of games, they're not going to have enough players to play Tennessee also. And I guess that's a decent segue for our guys Brent Hubbs and Austin Price from VolQuest.com. Um, if Tennessee Vandy doesn't happen, guys, what does that mean for Tennessee, if if anything? Because it certainly seemed like a nice opportunity to maybe feel good about yourselves for one week, the way Vandy played against Missouri and with their numbers problems and everything else. But now it looks like that's not even going to happen. Well, if that doesn't happen, I think that means Tennessee is going to finish uh, on an ugly losing streak and slide into the offseason even more angry. Not that Vanderbilt, uh, a win over Vanderbilt, would silence critics and concerns and that type of thing. But, you know, Tennessee is obviously a heavy underdog against Florida. They'll be a heavy underdog against Texas A&M, you know, next week. And, uh, you know, could mean seven straight for Tennessee to, you know, to finish the year, um, which is – not what anybody's looking for, um, you know, but I think this is the, the world we're in. I was really surprised to hear Commissioner Sankey earlier this week challenge the ACC on their decision about, you know, altering games and giving an open date for, for their two championship games with the whole, well, we're playing 10 in our league. I'm like, well, I don't know that you are because you're out of mulligan dates. I mean, you don't have any wiggle room left. And I don't know that everybody's going to be able to play. So I was a little surprised that he kind of took the ACC to task the way he did, given the fact that most people around the league has felt like that there were going to be some teams in this league who didn't play 10 games this season. Well, and Ole Miss, Brent, has paused team activities until at least Wednesday, according to Bruce Feldman, that coming out in a tweet three minutes ago from him. So, I mean, like you continue to see this every week where there is going to be a hiccup or two, and uh, then there's a trickle down effect from that so i mean if you're pausing it till wednesday you know that's middle of next week you know what depending on how they shape the schedule and everybody's thought that Ole miss would play a m on the 19th which means tennessee plays a m next weekend um and how does that alter the schedule going forward i got a source confirming that uh, the game's canceled is it because of numbers i i don't know i'll i'll continue to ask okay let's find out exactly why it says that now. Hour. Sorry, Hutt. Now Adam Sparks has put a story out saying the game has been postponed. I'll seek clarification from from where I am getting information. The VolQuest Hour presented by Old Hickory Credit Union from mortgages to auto loans to checking accounts big or small, they do it all. Visit Old Hickory Credit Union online at ohcu.org. And, Brent, just to pick up on the point you were making about the the three games left on the Vol schedule and winnable and favorites, not favorites, underdogs, the other thing, too, is the evaluation process over these three games for Jeremy Pruitt and the the players moving forward to an offseason and a critical year four for Jeremy Pruitt to keep his job. Um, He's got some decisions to make, not just with the staff, but knowing what he has. I'm, I'm starting with quarterback, but it's more than that. Um, and, and knowing exactly where they stand, so to speak, not everything carries over year to year, but there is a plenty of evaluation to be had this month. Well, there's no doubt. And you're talking about, um, and by the way, I just looked at Adam's number. They're, they're saying it is because of numbers that Vanderbilt yep. doesn't have enough players to play this weekend. Um, but to, to, to your point that, that you're making, you're exactly right, particularly when you're moving into the world that we're moving into of transfers. Okay, you're, you're, look, transfers are going to or college football's new free agency, particularly if the one time transfer rule goes into effect, because what's going to happen is 
in years past, you've had a small number of guys as grad transfers to, to kind of feast on and look at. Um, now what you're seeing is you're seeing guys who are entering the transfer portal and then they're taking the social media and they're putting out their new top five, you know, and, and it's, it's, we're going to take a tour and we're going to go see things. And it's like, you know, it's a re-recruitment and, and schools are going to hold numbers for transfers. Well, how many do you need? Well, Three more games would help you further evaluate what you need at some positions, particularly quarterback. You know, what else do you need? You know, you'd like to see more out of Morvin Joseph. How much, you know, help do you think you're going to have it at defensive end or outside linebacker to rush the quarterback next year? Or is that suddenly the, you know, the biggest priority in the transfer market? So some of those things, I think, yeah, you, you want to continue to evaluate your football team, particularly the young guys down the stretch here by playing as many games as you can play. More coming with the VolQuest Hour. Tennessee and Florida this week. We'll get the preview there. Bill in Lebanon wants to pick up and discuss Gators and Vols. We will have more on Vanderbilt's situation as well as the news progresses and breaks with them not having enough numbers to play this game in Athens this week, Jack. Plus, Paul, you had a Vol, uh, vol Calls question. I've got a big Vol <laughs> Calls question. I want to yes. pull, pull back the curtain on Vol Calls. <laughs> And uh, I had a only, feeling that one was coming. Go yeah, ahead, Paul. It's only going to happen here. I think we're going to tease it. I okay. think we're going to tease it. And we're going to leave the people uh, listening to all of our fine sponsors. And we'll come back and we'll get behind the curtain. 615-737-1045, our number. If you'd like to join the VolQuest Hour, presented by Old Hickory Credit Union. It's the Midday 180, delivered by Edley's Barbecue on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine Bishop and- the VolQuest Hour presented by Old Hickory Credit Union. From mortgages to auto loans, check accounts, big or small, they do it all. Visit Old Hickory Credit Union online at ohcu.org. Austin Price and Brent Hubbs with us, welcoming your phone calls, 615-737-1045. Our number, 615-737-1045. Brent, is, is Vol Calls the most stressful hour of of your week um <laughs> uh, what's it like anticipating getting into that scenario uh did you ever think in your sports writing and sports broadcasting dreams that you would be in a position to translate deep southern talk to a coach say what he's asking coach is why do you suck at your job <laughs> things like that oh paul um my, my history of ball calls, I started as the guys uh, answering phone calls off air and finding That's out their be the name, worst job their old town, and uh, deciding what their question was going to be and if it was a legit question or not. And then um, in 1998, I got a chance to, to co-host the show. Tennessee won a national championship, and I said, this is the easiest show in the history <laughs> of man to do. Like, this is like. I mean, who would not want to do this show for an hour, right? Go in. Hey, it's great. Everybody's winning. Life's good. And then obviously the the last 10 years have plenty of challenges. So um, it's always an interesting hour. It's funny. You know, sometimes you get people out there who go on social media or message boards, whatever, and they talk about how there's never any hard questions asked and it's, you know, filibuster and all this other stuff is thrown out there. And then you have what you had Wednesday night where somebody calls in and tells the head football coach he's terrible and he ought to move back to Alabama. Well, <laughs> what, what would you tell a Tennessee fan that wants to do that? Call to him. call into the head coach and, and say that. I, I, I don't know if those Tennessee fans really want to help 
But I would certainly say that definitely does not help anything at all. And I actually thought Jeremy Pruitt handled it quite well, uh, given the circumstances with, with his response to the caller. No, I thought, I thought he did extremely well. And, you know, and, and here's the thing. I mean, they, they, you know, the guy, the person called in and said he was going to ask a question about, I think, offensive line or something like that. And he got on the air and, and obviously, you know, had a plan on what he was going to do and, and, you know, said his question. And, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything beneficial to that. I, I think there, I think it's certainly within a caller's right to call in and ask a, a critical question, but I think you ought to do it um, in, in a respectful professional way. And um, I, I think, I think Jeremy Pruitt has proven that, you know, his skin's pretty thick and he's more than more than willing to talk, you know, about various topics and talk football with anybody um, uh, you know, whether it's a quote positive question or a negative question, but I don't see the point in calling in and, and doing what that person did, but I'm not in their shoes. I'm on the other side of it and we roll on. Austin with the two defections from this recruiting class, is it time to sign the panic alarm, uh, in this recruiting class for Jeremy Pruitt in Tennessee, or is at least some of this expected right now? I mean, I think some of it's expected now. Neither of those kids were expected. I think Tennessee's, in a, you know, looking to try to open up some room, uh, you know, for the one-time transfers, um, like Brent talked about it in segment number one. So I think there's probably going to be a couple of more come along the way uh, over the next week or so. Um, but the, those two, no, those were not expected. Um, Demarius McGee, way more of a loss than that of Terrence Lewis. And I know everybody goes, wait a minute, Lewis is – He's the French five-star guy. He's higher, he's higher rated. It doesn't matter. It's where, you know, where can you impact Tennessee the quickest? And uh, Demarius McGee was going to have a much greater chance impacting Tennessee in year one than Terrence Lewis was. And so uh, that's a, to me, that's the bigger of the two losses. And, you know, luckily for Tennessee, they, to me, they've got a 50, 50 shot of getting, um, you know, Demarius McGee back in this recruiting class at this point. Um, you know, he, he doesn't look like he's going to sign early. If he waits till February, I think that, that, you know, that helps Tennessee. Guys, who will Tennessee have available tomorrow? I know, I know the contact tracing and some other things have been a storyline and a point of emphasis. I mean, better yet, who's not available? I think all signs point to Harrison Bailey starting this game against Florida. Um, what can be expected from the lineups? Well, I don't think that, you know, I think Tennessee's going to be without, you know, one or two on the offensive line. Um, you know, I think Cade Mays will be back. Um, I think that he was able, you know, you know, his contact tracing is going to end today, and which means he's back, um, you know, for, for tomorrow's game. Um, but I think that Tennessee's bound to have one or two guys out. I know Cooper Mays has practiced a lot at center over the last uh, couple of weeks. So, uh you know, uh, Brent, luckily, I think for Tennessee, any guys that were in the contact tracing on defense are going to be back. Now, they, they're they not going to have practiced, but let's face it, Henry, Bryce, Alante, some of those top-end defensive guys, even if they hadn't practiced, as long as they're out there, that's that's better than them not being out there against a really good Florida offense. Yeah, and we, we don't think Ramel Keaton will be out there um, and will be a factor. It's something we had mentioned on – on the site a couple of different times during the week. I'm not sure he's going to be back this year. I think that may be a decision where he's looking at shutting things down or opting out. We'll see. Nothing's been formally announced, but he has not practiced with Tennessee um, for a couple of nearly two weeks now. So we'll see what happens with that. 
you know, the Tennessee tested yesterday. Uh, they're hoping to get the results back late last night or this morning. So we'll see if there's any more news or any more potentials to come out of that today. Um, and, you know, there's, it's one of those things where there's a lot of work with various people on when exactly did somebody's quarantine actually start, you know, and how does all of that work? It's not just when a guy, when a guy gets a negative test back and all of a sudden you say, okay, you were within him and it's contact tracing. It doesn't start right then. A lot of times it's back counted, you know, or, or backed up several days. So that's why Tennessee's hopeful of getting a good number of guys back. And I think they will, but I don't think we'll know the final answer on that till we see who comes out for warmups uh, tomorrow afternoon. Cause I think it's still somewhat fluid across the board. So Kevon Bennett gets pulled over and arrested on his way to the facility to do a zoom conference with media. And he's got drugs and weapons on him and he's kicked off the team. Was this surprising to you guys when you started to uncover this story? With Bennett, of course, the son of a former college and NFL star and Cornelius Bennett, that he was arrested with these charges and, and booted off the team? I wasn't surprised he was booted when you saw the list of charges. I think that was an easy decision for Jeremy Pruitt to make uh, with three games left. And what are you going to do, suspend the guy indefinitely and, and wait and see what happens? Season's going to be over. Uh, I don't think Kevon Bennett had any plans on coming back for another year. So booting him, I, I think, made – you know, it was not a surprise decision. The fact that he was pulled over and had on him what he had with a loaded gun and, you know, uh, everything that showed intent to sell. Yes, that surprised me. I, I didn't, I had never heard of Kevon Bennett or, you know, he had never had any issues at Tennessee before. So, yeah, I was surprised by that. So the, the grad transfer market or the one-time transfer market that now Tennessee is definitely going to be in play with moving forward, quarterback. A specific example, Mackenzie Milton announces at Central Florida, coming back from that devastating injury, that he is going to transfer somewhere and play. I would assume the likes of Tennessee and many other programs are going to be involved with a player like that. If he's even 70%, then that's a guy you look at. So, Brent, I'll ask you this. How involved do you expect Tennessee to get with a player like Mackenzie Milton? How active overall do you see them being in this transfer market? I think, I think they'll be active overall in the market. I, I think Rush, you know, a guy who can get after the quarterback um, on defense, I, I think a safety is intriguing to them. Where do they think they are with the star position? This goes back to what uh, Jonathan was asking in the first segment. That's why you want to see Key Lawrence and some of these guys. I mean, who can play? Who can help me there next year? Uh, but there's some impact guys that Tennessee's certainly going to be in the market for. Quarterback being one of those. I think with McKenzie, Here's the interesting thing, and, and I've, I've you know, heard and seen every, you know, people talking about, well, he's 80%. Well, what does that mean? You know, he's 80% healthy, two years removed from having no contact from the game of football. In the year where they went undefeated at Central Michigan or Central Florida, he rushed for 700 yards. Is he, a, and his legs were a big part of, of why that team went undefeated. Is he going to have that part of his game back? Is he going to be willing to play the game that way? You know, does Tennessee want to play offensive football like that? Does he look at Tennessee's offense and go, I, I don't fit that deal? You know, um, you know, so I don't know how much mutual interest there'll be. I'm wondering how many people are going to be skeptical of Milton because they don't have any tape to see how recovered he is. It's just, I mean, I guess he could throw them some, some huddle tape from practice 
but he hasn't scrimmaged. He hasn't been tackled. So how far along is he recovered from an injury that most people categorize as a career-ending injury when, he happened, when it happened to him two years ago? Is there a divide at all in that locker room? And what I mean by that is a lot of times when things go south and you've got a coach who's newer, and at this point, Jeremy Pruitt, not quite done with year three, still you'd classify as a, a newer coach where things aren't going well, older guys aren't quite with it, maybe younger guys aren't quite with it at times too, but the younger guys are more invested. And I noticed this a lot where Jeremy Pruitt has a lot of meetings with his freshman class. He did this a year ago also. I'm going to meet with the freshmen, the freshmen only, almost trying to keep the young guys interested and in, in, in moving in the right direction. Do you sense some of that with some of the upperclassmen on this roster with, with the younger guys? And how committed are those younger guys to Jeremy Pruitt and what he's trying to do, having seen so many you know bad things on the field this season? I, I don't think there's a divide. Um, you know, I think more than anything, you know, you're trying to keep some of those freshmen – maybe like engaged with the fact that, you know, they're not playing as much as they want to play. You know, th those guys are used to playing, you know, as, as every, you know, new freshman is. You come in from being a senior in high school where you're top dog and all of a sudden you're, you know, allocated to special teams and, you know, some mop-up duty uh, at your own position. So, you know, I think for most, you know, it's about keeping them engaged, teaching them how to work. You know, I know that's big for Coach Pruitt is, you know, we're not just going to give you playing time. You've got to earn the playing time. And so, you know, in looking at this freshman class, they've had guys that sporadically will play a lot in the game, but then they disappear for three or four games. And, and, and then here they come again, and then they disappear. So I think that there's really not a divide amongst older guys and younger guys. I think it's just about the younger guys understanding what's expected and how to work. Well, and here's the other thing, too, guys. If the one-time transfer rule goes through effect, what what group are you going to have to recruit the hardest? Okay, you're going to have to recruit a junior going into his senior year who's looking for a better opportunity if he's not a starter, not playing a lot, and then the freshmen are more emotional at that point in their life, right? Okay, because they're calling home to their boys and their and their buddies, and they're all going, "Hey, watch the game on TV. I didn't see you. What'd you go up there for? Or why'd you go over there for? I thought you were going to be a big-time player." You know, you're not even playing. I mean, what, what are you doing there? So you better be engaged with those underclassmen who are not playing a lot, who have gone from being never come off the field for your entire high school career to you're a scout team guy, okay, and, and you're not going to play. Um, so I, I think you better have those conversations. I don't think it's about dividing a locker room or creating a divide there. I think you have to re-recruit those guys. You have to de-recruit them when they get there, and now you're going to have to re-recruit him to keep him there because of the one-time transfer rule. It's the Ball Quest Hour presented by Old Hickory Credit Union. What was the message from Philip Fulmer on ball calls this past Wednesday night, guys? Uh, I'm not real sure. I mean, to be honest, I mean, it, you know, it was not the hardcore vote of confidence, which I think a lot of people thought it was going to be. I mean, a year ago, he went on vol calls when there was all this national talk about people out there saying he was going to bury Alvarez it and he was going to, you know, get rid yeah. of his coach and he was going to take over and become the coach. And he quickly came to Calhoun's in person and put that to bed and said, listen, I got my hands full as the AD. I don't want to be the football coach. Jeremy Pruitt's our football coach. He's doing a heck of a job. He goes on Wednesday night and he talks about, you know, the need for patience and he talks about, 
you know, this team's better than their record indicates, you know, they're a young football team in some spots and he throws out the record of coach majors through three years or the first 30 games and Jeremy Pruitt's record. And some of those things that felt like he was making excuses, if you want to call it that, or, or certainly encouraging everybody to calm down and be patient and try to silence some critics. But he also didn't come out and give nobody could write a story based on that interview and say, Philip Fulmer gave the quote vote of confidence for his head coach moving forward. How do you so, go ahead? Hutton, sorry. Well, I was going to say, so he, so you're still Brent, when you were on with us Monday, we asked, is it still within the realm of possibility that there could be a coaching change or are you still feel that way? Or it, it's not definitive that he's back, I guess is what you're saying. I think he's going to be back. Okay. I mean, I, I do. I, I think Jeremy Pruitt will be back for yeah, another I think we, year. I think we all think that, but like you're, you're saying the definitive it's in, it's in Sharpie that he's back because Fulmer said so that, that didn't come across to you. Well, I, I mean, well, he didn't, Philip Fulmer didn't say that. He, he didn't say Jeremy Pruitt will be my coach. He didn't say he wouldn't be, but he didn't right. go in the air and definitively say Jeremy Pruitt's my coach for next. Now, you could be splitting hairs, you know, and trying to say, okay, what, what was the true meaning of the adjective he used in the four <laughs> sentence in his eight-minute interview? Okay, what, what, I've, what I've learned in 20-plus in years of covering this is you never really say never, okay? Anything is possible. Yeah. I, I've seen coaches at airports on, you know, planes at airports waiting on the coach to get on it and come accept the new job, and, and the coach got – you know, halfway to the airport, turn around and said, no, I'm not taking this job. So I, I just think that I'm a little bit cautious in declaring anything because anything can happen. I think from a timing standpoint, it makes no sense right now with early signing day coming a couple of weeks away and more games to play. Is that what happened with Gruden hubs? No, not that one. He never got on the plane. He got that halfway was... down Del Mabry and said, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I heard he was Austin. at a pilot pilot gas station, which connected him to Haslam, and that was it took off from there. Austin, from from the recruiting perspective, when you're on the phone with these guys, how much do they talk about the coaching situation in Knoxville? How they talk about it. You know, I mean, it's something they're very cognizant of, um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the coaches do a good job of talking them through any kind of reservations they may have, um, you know, and I'm pretty, you know, realistic with the kids. I'm like, you know, like kids talk yeah. to me about it and I'm like, you know, like whether, whether Coach X is here next year or not, like the, the chances of him making it through your four years are, you know, not great. It's just the, the world of college football. I mean, like if you're Ty Simpson and you really like Chris Winkie and you really like Steve Sarkeesian at Alabama or whoever, like, like Sarkeesian ain't going to be at Alabama. Like, you know, he might make it to, you know, if Ty went to Alabama, he might make it through Ty's freshman year, which would be two years, you know, but on the whole, you just don't see it. It's just not going to happen. So, um, you know, in my opinion, you know, kids have to pick the place that they get along with the kids, the players, the, the place that fits them, uh, you know, education, S coaches come and go. You know, we Especially asked you guys, yeah, we asked you guys, and I want to ask you about position coaches also. Is Chris Winkie most in trouble on this staff? If you had to put a, put a hot list of coaches 
that are probably going to be on the way out because of a head coach's decision. Is Chris Winkie close to the top of that list? Well, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I, think I think that, that, I think that, that you know, that if you're going to say who's most likely not back, you know, I mean, I think that he would definitely be on that list, but he's been on that list for a couple of years now and he's still here. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that, you know, that, that, that right now, uh, coach Pruitt, uh, you know, is, is always evaluating his staff, but you know, they got to make it through the rest of the season, see how this recruiting class pans out. And then, you know, we'll see what, you know, staff changes are made. They got three guys that are on expiring deals. We'll see if those guys decide to renew if Tennessee wants to bring them back. And then if they make any other potential changes, obviously he's got to fill a defensive line uh, void. And, uh, you know, that'll be priority number one. And you never know what coach might be looking to get out on his own, you know, and, and trying to better his opportunity if he can find a better place. Or maybe he just feels like he needs to change the scenery. So, um, you know, we're just – you're in that cycle that's that time of year. And, and you know, it's just – no, no staff. Austin's right. Nobody stays long. I mean, it's just a journeyman profession. That's just what it's become in college football. Let's go to the phones. Larry in Huntsville on the Ball Quest Hour with Austin Price and Brent Hubbs. Hey, Larry. Brent, I want to ask you a question. I've been a Tennessee fan since I was old enough to watch Connor Callaway down here in Huntsville play high school ball. I can remember Major's first few years. I was at that Boston College game when they played them in 78. They just didn't look like they were a very good football team at all. But my question to you is, do you think the roster needs to be rechanged a little bit because he's still using players that has, you know, Butch Jones recruited, even though he's getting closer to his full staff. Now, we're going to have some great freshman guys come in next year that would keep him here and change the roster over again because some of those freshmen – I watched Eric Gray play in high school, and I watched T. Hodge play at Maryland. Those guys are athletes, and as you bring in more athletes and get better position players, your roster just seems to get better. And I think something else people have forgotten, Georgia and Alabama and all these different teams that have recruited for years, they've had spring practice after spring practice. Let's remember, Jeremy Pruitt technically has only had one spring practice. This freshman class didn't even have one. Now, that's nobody's fault because of COVID. But don't you think that helped him? to try to bring some different types of players to help this roster. I want to hear what you guys say about that. Well, I think it starts, look, you know, you can look at this roster. I mean, the offensive line on this team is certainly good enough. Um, you know, that, that's a, that's a, it's a good offensive line. Um, there's some players on the defensive side of the ball that haven't played very well. And some of those are Jeremy Pruitt players. They're not, I mean, you're not going to sit here and say, well, he's playing with Butch Jones's player. They're his players. And he's had, the veteran guys for a couple of years and he won with some of those veteran guys last year. And some of them haven't played as well this year. And then, you know, some of his own players haven't played as well. I still think this in, in football at any level, particularly in the college level and the NFL level, the teams that are successful have good quarterback play. They, they, they do. They have good quarterback play and Tennessee does not have good enough quarterback play. What, What's Tennessee's record if Josh Dobbs is the quarterback on this team this year? Okay. If ands, candy, nuts, butts, and a Merry Christmas and all those things, it is what it is. But the reality is, Austin, for Tennessee to take a step, they have to find a quarterback that they can win with, and they have to develop their offensive identity with that quarterback. Right now, they're quarterbackless without an offensive identity, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, you know, you look at Florida, you know, and I keep – 
you know, bringing them up uh, when, when talking about, you know, Tennessee's offensive situation. They were good. They were better than Tennessee is offensively with Felipe Franks. But like, look at the big jump they made going from Felipe Franks at quarterback to Kyle Trask. Looks like a totally different offense, and looks like a, a totally different team. And uh, you know, I think the right quarterback with I think a good amount of weapons on the offensive line, running back, and a receiver that Tennessee has could really make this. You know, I'm not saying Tennessee's going to go from two and seven or three and seven to Atlanta, but to me, they could really flip the script next year in a normal year where you only have eight conference games and you have four very, very, very winnable uh, non-conference games and and win eight or nine football games with a competent quarterback. Uh, according to PaulKuharski.com, Vandy, Georgia rescheduled for December 19th for now. For now, being the the key yeah. phrase, everything with is all of that temporary. Based on the opt outs that we've been hearing about over uh, on West End, until they get on the bus. If that'd be, the, that'd be that'd be great news. Let's go ahead and play that A and M game next weekend, and Georgia can have Andy on the nineteenth. <laughs> or do they play? Or do those Tennessee play Vanderbilt next week and then A and M on the nineteenth? Well, but the problem is the Ole Miss situation because Ole Miss is going to have to play A and M at some point. You know, can they yeah. get out of, you know, COVID protocol after they suspended all their activities until at least next Wednesday, you know? It's true. Is Tennessee basketball ever going to play a game? We'll ask the guys that when we come back. <laughs> Midday 180 delivered by Edley's Barbecue, 104.5 The Zone. The Ball Quest Hour, presented by Old Hickory Credit Union. Before we get to some hoops talk, guys, Vols and Gators, by all accounts, it seems like we're going to see Harrison Bailey get the start. I want to ask you what you what you hope to see. I, I wonder, I mean, we all hope that, that he plays well. I wonder what you expect to see from the freshman against Florida. Um, and and we, we've seen him in glimpses. We've seen him in mop-up duty. We haven't seen him, Brent, as you pointed out, where it's 0-0. Zero, zero. So, what should we expect? Well, I think what you hope to see is a guy who operates the offense. You know, there, there's not confusion. You know, you don't you don't see him at the line trying to move people around because they didn't yeah. get lined up the right <laughs> way and they're late getting out of the huddle and, you know, he doesn't recognize the play clock. So it starts with operation, okay? I mean, look, he's, he's going to play a defense that's going to be more multiple than any defense he's played against this year. Uh, they'll do more crazy things, particularly if the score is zero zero. So you want him to be able to recognize things and operate at the line of scrimmage and, and then, you know, be responsible with the football. Not Austin said this earlier and, and we talked about this, I guess, on the podcast and um, he made a good point. You can't just sit here and say, we well, can't turn it over. Okay. Because you know, he's probably going to turn it over, but what you don't want is you don't want him to throw three picks in the first quarter or in mm-hmm. the first half. I mean, pl- be responsible with the football, operate the offense. I think it's where you start for success with, with a with a freshman quarterback in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think one or fewer turnovers is, is a really good stat line. And I know that's that would be any quarterback in any game, right? But I, I think for him, you know, you know, it's okay to throw a pick. You know, it's okay to make a mistake. You know, you, you want him to have a little bit of uh, freedom out there, um, just not too much freedom. I, I just don't the, – the one thing to me I don't want to see is just a totally handcuffed freshman quarterback that they're just saying handoff, handoff, four-yard dump pass in the flat punt. You know, let him run the offense. 
and 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 I think they will. I, I think they will. I think that it'll still be run heavy. You won't see as much zone read stuff. You'll you'll see more you know uh, you know heavy type packages with you know um, different players playing the tight ends. And uh, I think Tennessee will try to run the ball, but then they'll take some shots with it. And Jonathan, get it out of your hand. If if you're yeah. if you're Tennessee, you want Harrison Bailey to not be afraid to pull the trigger, get the ball out of his hand. I think one of the biggest frustrations with Jared has been he's late with the football. He's been he's been late. You know, he's been waiting until guys are wide open before he throws it. He doesn't throw enough guys open. You want Harrison Bailey to operate at a faster pace and get the ball out of his hand beyond the other things I was talking about. So basketball, Tennessee showing some resourcefulness by scheduling UT Martin in advance of the game against Cincinnati with all the cancellations. And then UT Martin has a COVID problem. And we find out today that game now has been canceled. Will Tennessee continue to be resourceful and find another opponent on Wednesday night to play for their opener? Yeah, we're, they're going to play the uh, the um, media team. Of, uh, you know. <laughs> Will you be playing power forward on that team, Austin, on, on the media team? No, I'm coaching. <laughs> uh i you know at this point i don't know that they could find another game i mean I, I think they scrambled around and scrambled to try to find um the game that they got you know with, with martin and and you know i mean they'll try but I, I think it's hard to to sit here and say you know they're going to be able to find one in, in this short order i know there was some conversation with etsu i've not seen what etsu has scheduled for next week uh they'll do everything they can to play a game uh, but I don't. I don't know that they can get a game scheduled. Austin Price and Brent Hubbs, the VolQuest Hour. It flies by. Tennessee and Florida in December. Here we go. What's faster, Guys. Hubbs? This or VolCall? No, no Luke Perry talk <laughs> this week either. We'll have to get back to that uh, next week. Th- th- this hour, Paul, always goes fast because you, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. You know, it's. Uh, it, 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 you know, it's, it's like one of those sitcoms where the guy goes from being in, in the fourth grade to he's a college, he's a college guy between season four and season five, right? This, this hour goes, goes by nearly as fast as an Alcoa state championship game with a running clock. <laughs> They're not there oh. yet. 20 to nothing that they, that they lead. Milan just, Alcoa just turned uh, Milan over at the uh, deep in uh, ter- in Alcoa territory to stave off the uh, the shutout or to keep the shutout active at this point. I, I will say this: Nashville people do not appreciate Jonathan Hutton enough. Watching <laughs> him read the uh, the the gambling promo earlier during the break, <laughs> and it's the end where he says, "You must be twenty one to apply," and he starts like rattling off all the stuff, and his mouth is moving a thousand miles an hour, and it was flawless. <laughs> no hitch in the giddy up. I mean, it was like one of the. You know, normally you hear that, and they've sped up the voice at the end. He actually yeah. did it where it sped up. And <laughs> I mean, you don't appreciate how good you have. We don't have anybody in Knoxville like that, period. 1-800-889-9789. There you go. So, so the check is in the mail, right? Right, but, right. Yeah, well, you know what I took from that, though? That means my Zoom connection was high quality, which I will take today, which yeah. is fantastic. You are, I, can, you, can you do the weather for us, though? You've got a... a I do. You're in the upper Cumberland. It's still raining. It's it, hey, it, the state championship weekend is here, which means it's cold, but not cold enough to snow. And I'm I'm Just headed rain. that way, Hutton. Okay, I, I'm, okay. I'm driving that way right now. It's uh, Bring your it's, umbrella. I'll, I'll be headed where it's ten degrees colder permanently in the upper Cumberland. There you go. Uh, and you can see uh, Knoxville just uh, briefly here, guys, as well. So, um, yeah, I'm here in the Stonecom Weather Center here in Cookville. So, there you go. 
Hey, guys, enjoy the weekend. Uh, we love the coverage of allquest.com. Um, the picks are in. I'm sure you guys are going with Florida. I'll leave the details to the website. There you, you go. Yeah. Okay. Nobody wants to rehash that. <laughs> <laughs> but don't call it a rehash. Call it a prehash. Rehash. Guys, thank you. Appreciate right. it. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Midday 180 delivered by Edley's Barbecue. We're going to talk Titans Browns when we return on 104.5 The Zone. Brent Doherty and Doug.